you can rise for the reading of God's Word. If you could get the lights, thank you. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We have been going through the book of Luke for a long, long time, and we are in the last verses, been going chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Chapter by chapter, verse by verse through Luke. And we are in verse 46. Which says, Then he, Jesus, said to them, This is the resurrected Christ speaking. Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem. That word tarry means wait. But wait in the city of Jerusalem until... You are endued, the word endued means clothed, until you are clothed with power from on high. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time where we can read about and learn the power, about the power of the Christian life, the power that's given to us freely. And Lord, we need that. We need the Holy Spirit. We need you, Lord. Lord, we got a flesh. There's the world out there. And then there's, there's the devil. We need all of you. We need all of him, the Holy Spirit. That power which you call here the promise. We need him. Teach us about him this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. So right here, when Jesus is speaking in the last chapter of Luke, it is Sunday evening, the previous Friday. Jesus had been crucified and buried. Hundreds had been witnesses to his crucifixion, which ended actually... The scene sort of ends with a Roman soldier thrusting his spear into Jesus' side. But then he was buried. That also was witness. We read about that by many men and women, some of whom were actually involved in his burial. So it is no surprise, if you go back just a few verses to verse uh, 36 and 37, that when Jesus appears, the disciples are terrified It says, now as they said these things, Jesus stood in the midst of them, and he said to them, peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened, and supposed they had seen a spirit. So they still were really struggling here with the fact that they had witnessed his death, and and actually hundreds had, and and here he is before them, and he's 
alive. Verse 38 says, why are you troubled and why do you have doubts, doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet. Look, my hands and my feet. He showed him his wounds. It is myself. Handle me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see as I have. In verse 41, it says they still didn't believe him. And so he took some fish and a honeycomb and he ate. And he's, he's like, look, it's real. I've, ri- I've risen from the dead. And, and I, I, I can eat here. And, and what he goes on to say, it's, listen, guys, it's not as if the whole record of the Old Testament didn't testify to these things. In verse uh, 46, this is where we began this morning, it says, thus it is written, thus it was necessary, meaning it was written in the Bible that I had to die. I had to. It was necessary. Man, because of his rejection of God, hopelessly lost under the judgment of God, and that judgment being death. But the Bible says, Jesus is saying here, that God so loved the world that he would send a substitute to die in man's place. And he's saying that substitute is me. That substitute is me. But he's saying also the Bible is so clear that death would have no victory over me, that I would rise from the dead the third day. That's what it says there in verse 46. For the Christ had to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And it says, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. It says, you guys have witnessed all of this. You've, you've witnessed the crucifixion, and now you've been your witness that the Bible really is true. I, I'm risen from the dead. I'm here with you. Look at my wounds. Uh, and, and so you are my witnesses. And then in verse 49, it says, which, which here it's, it's going to be the subject for the rest uh, of this morning. In verse 49, he says, Behold, I send you the promise of my Father. This is a reference to the coming of the Holy Spirit. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem, meaning wait, until you are endued with power from on high. So they had been with Jesus for three years. They had learned everything... Jesus taught them everything that they needed to know about him, who he was, had been teaching them scripture for three years, had been teaching them just through his own life and ministry, but they still lacked something. You know, it has been said that um, Christianity, and I love this, I love this, uh, this saying, Christianity is not about the imitation of Christ. Many think that Christianity is about the imitation of Christ. Not so at all. 
Christianity is about an impartation from Christ, the impartation of the Holy Spirit. So many in the Christian world believe, you ask them, what is Christianity? And you get a description from them, and what you will hear is more or less Christianity is about imitating Jesus Christ. Not so. By the way, that's impossible. You won't get two or three chapters into the New Testament. Imitating Jesus Christ, that's impossible. No one can do that in their own power and their own strength. Christianity is not about the imitation of Christ. It's about an impartation from Christ. And the impartation is the Holy Spirit. We're going to spend the rest of our uh, time this morning. I want to teach on who the Holy Spirit is, how we receive him, and what his role is in our life. Now that, that last part, what his role is in our life, I'm going to take that up next week. But right now, uh, first thing first, the Holy Spirit. Who is he? The Holy Spirit. Who is he? The Bible begins begins with a reference to the Holy Spirit. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. That, that, that's the second verse of the Bible. And you go to the very last chapter of the Bible, and it ends with a reference to the Holy Spirit. Revelation chapter 22, I believe it is, chapter 22, verse 17, says this. It's among the last verses of the Bible, and the Spirit and the bride say, come. And the Spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears Say, come and let him who thirsts come. And so, then it goes on, whoever desired, let him take the water of life freely. Water, also a reference to the Holy Spirit. I'm told there are 500 references to the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Who is he? Who is he? There could hardly be a more important question, because there's a vast misunderstanding of who the Holy Spirit is. First and foremost, so important that you understand the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. If you're taking notes, please write that down. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is the third person of the eternal Godhead. Sound like a theologian here? The third person of the eternal Godhead, the third person of the Trinity. The Bible teaches there's one God, but three distinct persons in the Godhead. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You say, how can three persons be one? I say, I don't have the slightest idea. (laughs) But this I know. If we could understand everything about God, he wouldn't be God. 
He wouldn't be, he, he's God because he's the creator of the universe. He's, he's outside of space and time. We are less than a grain of sand in the midst of a, a, a gigantic desert. We, we don't, we cannot fully understand who God is. But the Bible teaches that God uh, is a personal God. He's knowable through his word. That, but there are some things that, we're incapable of fully understanding. One is this. The Bible, which the Lord has given to you so you can know him, says there's one God, three distinct persons in the Godhead. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So who is the Holy Spirit? He is a person. The Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is not some kind of impersonal power or, or mysterious influence. The Holy Spirit um, is not some kind of, uh, you know, energy that sort of lights us up or something like that. that. That's not who the Holy Spirit is. He is a person. Now, how do I know that? Well, because the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit, separate and apart from the Father, God the Father and God the Son, the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit has knowledge. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit has a will. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit has feelings. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit has emotions. First, he has knowledge. The Holy Spirit has knowledge. It says this in 1 Corinthians 2.11. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. He knows. He has knowledge. And the Bible says he also has a will. In, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11. I think that's 12, so that's a, a misprint. Someone told me, I was so impressed. Someone told me, uh, say, you know, you're putting up verses on the board that you, you have the wrong references. I was really impressed. Um, it's 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 11, but one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. The Holy Spirit has a will. The Holy Spirit has feelings. Romans 15, chapter 30. Now I beg you through the love of the Spirit, the love, the love of the Spirit. He has feelings that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. And last of all, the Holy Spirit has emotion. Do not grieve. That's an emotion. Grieving, weeping, sorrow, do not grieve the, the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So, knowledge, will, feeling, emotion. You know what you have when you have knowledge, will, feeling, and emotion? A person. A person. That's right. Uh, you, do, you, you don't have an it. Holy Spirit's not an it. Please don't be come up to me saying, well, you know, the Holy Spirit, it told me the other day, or it did this to me. No, don't say that. Uh, uh, the Holy Spirit is a person. Now, some of you may be saying, hey, man, why are you getting all so worked up over this, man? Cool out. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, does it really matter? Really? Really? 
whether the Holy Spirit is a person? You better believe it does. And let me explain why. It it matters uh, enormously. First and foremost, this is God who we're speaking of. And God should and must be worshipped for who he is, right? If we are under the false impression that the Holy Spirit is an impersonal force or power, we will not be worshiping him, submitting to him, honoring him, respecting him, the Holy Spirit, blessing him as we should. But listen, there's, there's a lot more than just that. There is so much crazy nonsense out there attributed to the Holy Spirit. People hopping around churches, they're screeching, they're knocking people over. You know, like you, know, like you do with a towel, they do it with their suit. Someone gets knocked over by the Holy Spirit. And, and a whole lot of crazy, wild behavior designed to do what? To bring attention to what? Man, not God. When we think of the Holy Spirit as merely a power or an influence, we're going to be thinking, how can I get more of this Holy Spirit rather than how can the Holy Spirit get more of me? And, and, and if you're merely thinking of the Holy Spirit as a power influence that you can somehow get a hold of and harness and use, it'll lead to all kinds of crazy, strange behavior motivated and fueled by what? Pride. That's what we see so much of in the body of Christ. But properly understanding the Holy Spirit as a person who is God who loves me, who is holy, who cares about me, who wants to use me to glorify God, who who wants to live and work through me, that's going to lead to very, very different behavior. Behavior that glorifies God. Behavior that points to God. But listen, this is so important. If you understand, here's something else. Why, why is it important that you and I understand that Holy Spirit is a person? Let me tell you. If you understand that the Holy Spirit is a person a, a, as opposed to uh, a force or, or, or a, a power or influence or something like this, it will revolutionize your relationship with God. Why? Well, let me, let, let me just give you an illustration here. Let me try to explain this. Rather than talking about the Holy Spirit for a second, the third person of this Trinity, the Holy Spirit, let's talk about Jesus. Jesus the second person of the Trinity. The Bible says of Jesus, every time in the Bible, God appears as a, as a person, including in the Old Testament, that is Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. Now, if you're not a student of the Old Testament, and oh boy, how I want to make you one, 
So we do on Sunday nights here. We go through the Old Testament. But if you're not a student of the Old Testament, you may not know Jesus actually appeared in the Old Testament. He appeared to Abraham. He appeared to Jacob. He appeared to Joshua a number of times. He appeared to Samson's uh, parents. Uh, He uh, appears in in the Old Testament. Anytime you see the uh, appearance in the flesh of God, it's Jesus. So we know that Jesus resurrected from the dead and and he ascended into heaven. But I I want you to uh, imagine for a second if Jesus in the flesh came to earth and was with you, I'm talking you, everywhere you went. He slept in the room with you. He ate with you. He went to work with you. He went out to whatever entertainment with you. He went to church events, worship practice, Bible study, set up prior to church, breakdown after church, everywhere you went. He was with you. Question. Do you think you would talk to God a little bit more? Yeah. Anybody? Yeah. Right answer. I think you would be talking to Jesus a lot. I know I would. Hey, Jesus, I just, I had, I just woke up. I had this funky dream last night. Can you, can you mind telling me what it was about? <laughs> hey, Jesus, Cheerios or Fruit Loops? Neither one, Steve. <laughs> hey, Jesus, what should I wear today? Hey, Jesus, I can't figure out what my boss is is asking me to do, have, having the slightest idea. He's talking a lot, but not, he's not making any sense. Uh, can, can you please tell me, Jesus, please? This computer, Jesus, it's driving me crazy. Jesus, what do I do? Jesus, I have no idea what this Steve pastor guy is trying to teach me right now. Can you try to explain what he's saying? Do you think that you would be talking to Jesus a lot more? You bet you would. Now, anyone see where I'm going? Does anyone see where I'm going with this? If you just think the Holy Spirit is an impersonal force or power or influence, you ain't going to be talking to God very much. But if you understand that the Holy Spirit is a person who the Bible said lives in you, is with you, more on this later, and comes upon you, but he's with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He will, he's with you wherever you go. You better believe you'll be talking to God a whole lot more. And that's why you, me, all of us, we need to grow in our understanding of this very, very important point in the Bible. The Holy Spirit is a person. And you need to be talking to him. You can. We are literally wasting a privilege and an honor honor and an opportunity for intimacy by not talking to him all day. You'll eat a lot better. If If you ask the Holy Spirit if you should be eating what you're eating, among many other things. But so the Holy Spirit um, is a person. Now, he is a person distinct 
from the Father and the Son. He is distinct from the Father and the Son, Matthew 28. We see this over and over in the, in the Bible. Many, many references to this. Here's a couple I'm going to give you, Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Each of them has a name. Holy Spirit has many names in the Bible. It's called the Holy Spirit. That's how we know him most. All, but there, there are a number of, uh, of other names. Spirit of the living God is another one. Spirit of, uh, of Christ is, is, is actually another name for the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. But um, uh, that's one verse. Here's another one, 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Many churches actually say this every Sunday. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. There's a lot of churches in their service with this verse. We see the Trinity right here. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the second person of the Trinity. And the love of God. That's the first person of the Trinity, the Father. And the communion of the Holy Spirit. That's the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is a person distinct from the Father and the Son. Finally, why is it important that you understand and I understand that the Holy Spirit's a person? He is a person with feelings, a will, emotions. Because when it comes to communion, uh, Sean, can we get the last verse up one more time. Notice how it says the communion. What's another word for communion? Fellowship. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. You were created, and this is, sort of goes along with the, the previous point. You were created for fellowship with God. Do you understand that? God created you for fellowship with him. That, from time to time, you will be asked. You will be asked. Why did God create us anyway? Answer, for fellowship with God and to glorify him forever. But, 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 but for fellowship with God, that's one of the reasons that God created you. Listen. You were not created for fellowship with the TV. You were not created for fellowship with video games. You were not created for the purpose of having fellowship with Facebook. Do you realize that there's already been four or five studies out there which prove that people are less happy when they leave Facebook than go in? It shouldn't be a surprise. They could have, they wasted their money. All they had to do was like go to the word of God. That's all they had to do. They could have saved you know, $500,000. The, the word of God says there's no way that you can substitute fellowship uh, with God with Facebook. You can't do it. We were created for Fellowship. We try to have fellowship with everything, uh, everything else sometimes but God. My daughter and I were talking a, a couple weeks ago about 
even this, trying to substitute fellowship with God with fellowship with ourselves. <laughs> we get the stupid little fantasies in our head and we dwell on them for hours, for days, for months, and all it does eventually is bring us down. Why? We were created for fellowship with God and there is a space in our life that can only be filled with the Lord. And it's going to be empty if you try to fill it with anything else. We have that fellowship. It comes by and through and with the person of the Holy Spirit. So important, you understand. The Holy Spirit is a person. Okay. So number one, the Holy Spirit, who is he? Number two, how do we receive the Holy Spirit? How do we receive the Holy Spirit? Please turn with me to John chapter 7. It's a little bit to your right, John chapter 7. John chapter 7, verse 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, Turn with me to John 20. John chapter 20, verse 19. This is the parallel verse in John to where we are in Luke 24. John chapter 20, verses 19 3 through 22. Verse 19 says, the same day at evening, so very same place we were, this, uh, we started with in Luke 24, being the first day of the week, Sunday, when the doors were shut, when the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came in and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet and his side, and his disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So he's glorified now, and he's resurrected from the dead, and He gives them the Holy Spirit. Here's another verse in Ephesians. 
Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. How do we receive the Holy Spirit? That's what we're talking about. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In him also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And so every man and woman and child who puts their faith in Jesus, who believes in Jesus and puts their faith in him, who, that Jesus lived a perfect life for them, died on the cross for them, raised for, uh, uh, from the dead for them, they received the Holy Spirit. And from that point on, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit lives inside of them. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says this. It says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And so, how do we receive the Holy Spirit? Well, it, it, when you believe in Christ, when you are saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. He becomes a permanent deposit in you. So, now this is important. The Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit being inside of us. The Bible also speaks of the Holy Spirit being with us. And it also speaks of the Holy Spirit coming upon us. Three distinct things. And we've all already talked about the Holy Spirit being inside of us. The, the Bible also speaks of the Holy Spirit in, uh, being with us. Jesus says at the end of the book of Matthew, he says to his disciples, and that would include you here in this room if you've believed in him, he says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so that is a reference to Jesus being with us in the person of the Holy Spirit, because he's not in the flesh uh, anymore uh, with us. And so, you know, remember where we started, the doctrine of the Trinity. There's one God, three persons. It's a mystery. It's the truth that the Bible teaches, and the Bible teaches that everyone who believes in Christ has the Holy Spirit within them. It teaches that the Holy Spirit is with them. But again, there's another phenomena that can happen, and that is the Holy Spirit coming upon you. And that's verse 49, which we read this morning in Luke. So if you turn back to Luke, at this point in Luke, in, in verse 49 of chapter 24, they had already received the Holy Spirit. We saw that in the book of John. They had already received him. But here in verse 41, and, and this, is, this he says right before ascending to heaven. He says, behold, meaning wait, I, or look, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued, until you're clothed with power. Guys, you need power. Gals, you need power. If you're going to imitate Christ, you need an impartation. That's what Jesus is referring to here. He says, wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. So, again, they've already received the Holy Spirit, but he's telling them to 
wait. This is a different phenomena that, they, that is about to happen. Now turn with me to Acts chapter 1. And we'll see this phenomena actually take place here. Acts chapter 1, first in verse 4. It says this. It says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them to not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise. Underline that. The promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John, meaning John the Baptist, truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And the next thing you see here is them trying to change the subject. It says, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, uh, will you at this time restore your kingdom of Israel? And he said, it is not for you to know times or season which the Lord has put in his own authority, but, and he repeats himself, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, if you go to chapter 2, we will see this incident, this event, which they were told by Jesus to wait for. In verse 1, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. That was 50 days, about, uh, this is a, Pentecost was 50 days after Passover. So it's about 40 days, uh, uh, 40, 40 so that would be about 47 days after uh, the resurrection. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, when they were all with one, in one accord, in one place, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing wind, a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon, underline that word upon, upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. Now go to verse 12. It says, so they, and they is the crowd who, there's a crowd of people observing all this. And it says, they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what could this mean? Others mocking said, well, they must be full of new wine. They must be drunk. Now, uh, uh, skip over, uh, rather, we'll, we'll continue there. But Peter, verse 14, standing with, up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. They're not drunk. Verse 16, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And, and, this is, and then he quotes from Joel here, and it says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit, pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my maids, uh, uh, and on, 
underline that word on, my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now, go to verse 32. This is towards the end of this message that Peter is given. Peter's, the Holy Spirit's come upon him, and he's turned from this man who had been hiding out of fear of the Jews to being right up out in the open in front of all the very same people who had just arrested and crucified Jesus. And he, he's declaring in the presence of all of them, verse 32, this Jesus God has raised up of which we were all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you see and hear. So, you have the teaching of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. You have the teaching of the Holy Spirit being with us. But now you see this, this phenomena of the Holy Spirit coming upon us. And all of this begs another question. And it is, well, when and how does this coming upon thing happen? When does it happen? Has it happened to me? What do I do to make it happen? I want this Holy Spirit coming upon me thing, <laughs> this phenomena that you're talking about. When does it happen? How does it happen? How do I receive that? First, when does it happen? The Bible says it happens to some, it happens at the same time, at the point of initially believing in Jesus Christ. In other words, at the point of salvation. That is what appears to have happened to these men and women here in Acts chapter 2. In verse 36, it says, Therefore, Peter's preaching to them, Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? So what are we supposed to do now? Tell us. What are we supposed to do, and we'll do it. Verse 38 says, Peter said to them, repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise, same word, is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. As many, it says to all who are afar off, including, by the way, those who are in Boston, Massachusetts, in 2014. And so you see here that, um, uh, that, here you have some people where it happens at the point of salvation, at the, at the very point they initially believe in Christ. However, if you continue to read through the book of Acts, there are others who don't have the experience at the time of initially believing, but after 
Go to chapter 8. Go to Acts chapter 8. I'm going to read one of several instances of this. In Acts chapter 8, verse 14, it says this. It says, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So this is an indication that for many, not at the time of initially believing, but at a subsequent time, they receive uh, what's called this, this baptism of the Holy Spirit, Jesus called it in Acts chapter 1, this coming upon. So final question. When you receive this phenomenon, many refer to it again as the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it, whether it's initially or after, does it happen again? Does it happen again and again and again? And, 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 and so uh, the, the, the answer to that um, is that it can happen it can happen in our life many times. I, I want to read uh, just a little bit from a book here about the experience of Charles Finney. Charles Finney is a, a, a hero of mine. He was, he actually was, um, he was a lawyer, and uh, he he became a Christian, and he uh, began to preach to, uh, the gospel. And he was baptized by the Holy Spirit at the beginning of his life, led an enormous series of revivals, really throughout the uh, uh, United States and Great Britain. But it says here, in the latter part of his ministry, he experienced another baptism. And let me just read from his memoirs here. This is Finney speaking here. He's writing. He says, The Lord gave my own soul a very thorough overhauling. This is at the end of his life. After being one of the most fruitful Christians, really, who ever lived. It says, The Lord gave my own soul a very thorough overhauling and a fresh baptism of the Spirit. I gave myself to a great deal of prayer. After my evening services, I would retire as early as I, I well could, but ro rose at four o'clock in the morning because I could sleep no longer and immediately went to the study and engaged in prayer. My days were spent, so far as I could get time, in searching the scriptures. I read nothing all that winter, but my Bible and a great deal of it seemed new to me. You see, at the end of your life, the, the Bible, if you're still seeking him, the, the Bible can seem brand new to you. The whole scripture seemed um, ablaze with light, 
And not only light, but it seemed as if God's word was instinct with the very life of God. At this time, it seemed as if my soul were wedded to Christ in a sense in which I had never had any thought or conception of before. The language of the Song of Solomon was as natural to me as my breath. I thought I could understand well the state of mind he was in when he wrote that song and concluded then, as I have ever thought since, that the song was written by him after he had been reclaimed from his great backsliding. I not only had all the freshness of my first love, but a vast ascension to it. Indeed, the Lord lifted me up so much above anything that I'd ever experienced before and taught me so much of the meaning of the Bible, of Christ's relations and power and willingness that I often found myself saying to him, I had not known or conceived that any such thing was true. It's at the end of a life. He gets a fresh baptism. How did he get it? Just says that the same thing that we re- really read here. He believed and he asked. And he asked with, you know, you, you, you can just tell here, he asked with a full sense of surrender. With a full sense of surrender. Now, what was he believing? It's important to understand that if you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what you're asking for is for God to make do with a promise that he has given. Now, we hear the word promise, and it doesn't mean anything to us anymore for many of us because people break promises all the time. Even the most solemn promises they break. They break the promise of their marriage covenant. They break promises to their employer. Friends break promises. But it's different with the promise of God. The Lord makes good on his promises. The Bible says every promise of God is yes and amen in Christ. And God had promised this. He had promised this. He had promised it. He had promised it. In Acts 44, verse 3, Acts 44, verse 3, um, in the Old Testament, um, it, it, God made the promise. He says, I will. That's promise language. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. I will. In Joel chapter 2, verse 28, we just read it in Acts chapter 2, it says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will, that's promise language, pour out my spirit on all flesh. Um, it, it, in Zechariah 12, 10, it says this, I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. And then none other than Jesus Christ himself in John chapter 16 says this, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away because if I depart, I will send him to you. And then of course in in, in Luke 24 verse 49, we read it this morning. He said, I will send you the promise. You will be empowered from on high. So so how do you get the promise? 
You do it by believing. You do it by asking. You do it by believing. You do it by asking. But I really like that sense that we just got in this book by, uh, this quote by Finney. You also do it by surrendering. You do it by surrendering. Let's look at Acts 2.38 one more time, and we'll just wrap it up with this. We've read this a couple times already. It says, Peter said to them, repent. That's underlined, bolded, in italics, if you don't notice. This is what happened right before they got the promise of uh, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise. That's an italics bold and, 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 as well there. Is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. In other words, it's, it's, it's to anyone who the, the Lord calls. It's free. It's not believe and you get it, plus do 50 push, push-ups, or believe and ask, and plus you got to read the Bible every day for three months or three years or 30 years, or you got to believe and, and then ask, and then you got to make sure and be in church at least 17 times. No, it's, it's, it, it was given to all who call upon. It's a gift. It's called a gift. But there is this sense of repentance. Can we just have the beginning of the verse again? Um, Sean, there's this beginning of this sense of repentance, meaning repentance means to surrender. Uh, surrendering your, your, your life, your heart to Jesus. Surrendering means giving every area of your life, every area of your heart to Jesus. If there's some area of your heart or your life, some compartment of your life that you are not going to let go, the Holy Spirit will not come upon you. And that only makes sense, right? I mean, if you're driving a car, and you want to give over the driver's seat or to someone else, and you get out of the seat, but you say, hey, listen, I'm going to sit over here. I'm willing to get, give up control of everything except for one thing, the brakes. If I get a little nervous, I'm going to slam on the brakes. Who's going to take over? Who's going to come in and take over the driver's seat if you say that? And no one is going to. Neither will God. He's a f- perfect gentleman. Come in. If you are saying to God, well, look, you know, look I, I'm going to give the, the, over my whole life to you, but you know, I, I just got to have the ability to slam on the brakes if things get a little strange, Lord. No, it ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. Repent and be baptized, and you will receive the po- promise. Repent and believe and ask is, is, is the teaching here. And, and, and once you receive, it, receive this once, You can ask as many times as you want for the rest of your life. So last verse, Luke 11, I know I've showed you a lot of scripture this morning. The last verse is this. This is Jesus speaking. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? 
So next week, I'm going to be speaking on the Holy Spirit, what his role is is in our life. But I just want to close now. I want to ask the worship team to come up. I want to ask, you know, just the worship team come up at this point. The role of the Holy Spirit in our life, in a nutshell, and we'll be, you know, discussing this next week. is he empowers us to do what is absolutely impossible for us to do on, in our own strength. It's interesting that the entire book of Luke has been given to us. I mean, so much information. We've been in the book of Luke for two years. There's so much knowledge and information that has been given to us by the Lord in this book. But you know you can memorize every verse in the book of Luke and you will still be greatly lacking. You won't have the slightest ability in your own strength to live any of it. But Jesus gave it to us in order for us to live it. In order for us to live it. And that's why in the closing verses, he says, he's basically saying this, I want you to live this. But you've got to ha- wait. I know you've just gone to seminary for three years. And you're thinking you're professionals, but um, you, you, you need something much more. And let me tell you, I need it. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And guess what? So do you. If you're willing to believe and to ask and surrender as the worship team begins, I just want you to stand up right where you are. Just right where you are. I want you to stand up. And I want you to pray with me and I'm going to pray just to, 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 for, for the Holy Spirit to be uh, imparted to you. You know, the Bible says that it comes to us by faith. It's not a feeling. It comes to us by faith. It comes to us by a simple prayer of faith. So when the worship team uh, begins, if it's the cry of your heart, yeah, Lord, I want it. Rather, I want him, and I want him to have all of me, but I also want him to come upon me. I just want want you to stand up right where you are. You can just remain right where you are. Lord, I want more of you. Living water rain down Lord, I need more of you Living breath of life, come fill me up Lord, I want more 
Okay, as the worship team continues now, I want you to look at these lyrics, everyone who's standing, and I want you to make these lyrics, I just want you to embrace them by faith. The Bible says, we've read it now several times in Acts chapter 2, It says that the Holy Spirit, this promise, this promise of a coming upon, it's for you and to your children and to all who are afar off and to as many as the Lord our God will call. So as the Holy Spirit, as the, uh, rather as the worship team continues, just sing out the, uh, sing out the lyrics and just appropriate them by faith. in this room. Just pretend it's you and God and appropriate this prayer as the worship team sings it again and leads us again. Just appropriate this by faith.
from one uh, crest of the wave to another being battered about, Lord. We want to walk strongly in the power that the Holy Spirit has provided now, Lord. We thank you for this work that you have done in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you are dismissed. God bless you.